We live in such a fast-paced culture, don't we? You know, everything now is so quick. Everything now is so fast. It seems like the world is spinning faster and faster and faster each day. Things seem to go so quick. And, and on one hand, you know, it gets overwhelming sometimes, doesn't it? It, it gets overwhelming. All the, the things that happen in life and how fast things move and you feel like there's something always coming at you and always going at you. And, you know, we see it in our kids and grandkids that the worst crime in all of humanity now, the most, the most awful thing that can ever happen to you ever in human history is to be bored. If you have kids, you understand there's nothing worse than being bored. That, because, but the reason why is because we're so overstimulated. I mean, there's always something going on. There's always something happening. There's always something to do, whether it's your phone or your tablet or computer or your TV or whatever. There's always something. So that's the, 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 the challenges of that is that things feel overwhelming. But another challenge is this. For children, it's the worst crime in the world is being bored. For us as adults, the worst crime in all of humanity is waiting. Good night, alive. Is there anything more frustrating than being in line in the store and having two registers open and lines out the door and other registers open? You're like, come on, I'll check myself out. Like, I'll go over here and check. Like, just, I got to go. I can't just sit here. Like, the, the fact, how many of us go to the microwave and just stare at it? It's like the stare will make the microwave go faster. Or if you're like me, when you go to the hospital, like you hit the button on the elevator and it's not coming, so what do you do? You hit it again. Because I know the more I hit that button, the sooner that's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's, it's gonna happen. I know it is. And so we, we don't like to wait. When I was in Pedal, I, I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with downtown Hattiesburg, but, but to, from Pedal, there are two ways into Hattiesburg. One was through downtown Hattiesburg. The other was to get on the interstate and come in kind of off Hardy Street. Um, and, but right smack dab in the middle of downtown Hattiesburg was a train with no schedule. The schedule the train ran off, went off of was this, is Andy late. Okay, he is. Okay, go through town now. Okay. And that, I, I, y'all, there was no rhyme or reason. I asked folks who work downtown, is there a rhyme or reason to this train? And somebody said there was, but I don't believe it. Because I just know if I was in a hurry, that train was going to stop right smack dab in the middle of Hattiesburg. And there's nothing you can do. If I didn't have a Kia, I would have went Dukes of Hazard on them. I would have jumped it, you know, my little Kia. But I didn't think my four-cylinder could quite get enough, you know. Lift. Is that the word, Tim? Lift? Yeah. I had a ramp I could do it, I reckon. But I hate to wait. I hate waiting. I have just no patience. None. I think the older I get, the less patience I have sometimes. We all hate to wait. But here's the thing, y'all. Believe it or not, waiting is a Christian discipline. Waiting is one of those universal concepts we see across the whole of Scripture. We see it in Noah. 
How long did he build that ark before the waters came? Then when the waters came, how long did he wait in that ark? We see it in Abraham. God told him, Abraham, I'm going to give you a land and a people. And how long did he have to wait? He actually didn't say all of it, did he? See it in Moses. After he killed the Egyptian, he went to the desert and waited. We see it in the Israelites themselves. They escaped from captivity. And in the desert, they wandered and waited and wandered and waited. We see it across the whole of Scripture. We see it the Israelites in slavery. They cry out to God, save us, and they waited. Then we see it, I think most interestingly, of course, we now are in a time of waiting for his return. That's the Advent handles reminded us. But I think one of the most interesting ways we see it in Scripture is the prophets. The prophets came. And so many, so many of the prophets, uh, you know, one of the mistakes we make with Scripture is, is that we think all of prophecy is like future telling. Like the prophet's job was to tell the future. Well, yes, when you look at the prophets, there are some parts of the prophetic teaching that is looking towards the future. But not all of it. In fact, I would say the vast majority of what the prophet said was not looking towards the future, but it was speaking to what God saw in the culture in that moment. The prophet is not just a future teller. The prophet is one that speaks God's word to the people in that moment. And there are, are in scripture often futuristic elements to it, but it's not all about the future. But so many of the prophets, when you read Isaiah, he should be born of a virgin. The government should rest upon his shoulders. He should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He should be born in Bethlehem is what scriptures tell us. We see all these prophets pointing to Jesus. All these prophets speaking to Jesus. All these prophets that are saying, the Lord's coming. The Lord is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. He is coming. And we see Malachi. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He prophesied. And the people waited. For 400 years, they waited. They waited nearly twice the length of time that our country has been in existence. Four hundred years between the last prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the birth of Christ. Four hundred years the people waited. Can you imagine? Like, like I get anxious if God does not answer my prayer instantaneously. The notion of having to wait for four centuries why? Why does God make us wait? Why does God have us do these things? There's a lot of reasons why God makes us wait. You know, it, it's funny. One of the best things I ever did in my entire life when I was out of college was I worked retail for, uh, for two years. When you work retail, you understand this. The people behind the checkout counters are not trying to slow you down on purpose. It's literally the very last thing they want to do, but sometimes it just, you know, it is what it is. It's got nothing to do with the sermon. In the Christmas season, when everybody goes crazy in the stores, you know what one of our main jobs to do as Christians is? 
be nice. Seriously, just be nice. When you're shopping and the line is long, don't mutter, don't grimace, don't complain, even if you feel like it. Just be nice. Even if you don't want to, even if you don't feel like it. See what would happen when we as Christians live out the gentleness of Christ even in places of waiting. Why do we wait? Well, I think there's one main reason why we wait. Because God's teaching us something very important. Something that we all need to know. Something that we all tend to forget. We're not in charge. No matter how much I revved up the engine of my Kia, that train did not care. No matter how many times I hit the elevator at the button, the button of the elevator at the hospital, that elevator does not care. No matter how intently I stand at the door of my microwave, the popcorn's going to take three minutes. It just is what it is. Sometimes we have to wait because God needs to remind us that we're not in charge, that it's His world. It's his time frame. It's his agenda. And we have to wait. You know the worst thing about waiting, though, other than the fact you've got to wait? Is that it can make you lose hope. When you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and nothing changes. When you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and nothing happens. When you wait, and you get frustrated, you can lose hope. And y'all, that is, when the devil, when the devil can rob your hope, when he can steal your hope, he has you where he wants you, because then you feel like you've got no reason to go on. Then you feel like you've got no reason to keep going. The one, the one, one of the main things the devil wants to do to us is steal our hope. Can you imagine the Israelites, the Jews, for four hundred years they waited and they never gave up hope they longed for that day why how could they not give up hope well I think the reason why they didn't give up hope is because they remembered who their hope was in their hope was not in their strength their hope was not in their might their hope was not in their power but their hope was in the Lord And those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow tired. Even youths, they run and grow tired. But those who wait upon the Lord will not grow weary. One of the best illustrations I ever heard in my entire life was by Bishop Clay Lee when you're at annual conference. This was years ago. I was... I think it's when we had conference down at the Trademark Center. Bishop Carter was sick, and Bishop, War, Bishop, um, Bishop Lee had to come in and kind of lead conference that year. And uh, he, he told an illustration that's always stuck with me. He talked about how many of the old uh, uh, spiritual songs the slaves sang were about things that they never received. I got shoes, you got shoes, all oh, God's children got shoes. When we get to heaven... We'll all have shoes. Even though they didn't have shoes. 
But they were looking to a place that was better. Their hope was not in that moment. Even though they were in chains, and even though they were enslaved, their hope was not in that moment, but their hope was in something better, something bigger, something more alive. And they never gave up hope, even in the midst of their chains. And y'all, that is hard. That is hard. It's easy for me as a preacher to pontificate and say, yes, don't give up hope. My goodness, when your world's falling apart, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know where to go, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel broken, when you feel defeated, when you feel like you just can't keep going, it's so easy to give up hope. But in the darkness, in the 400 years between God speaking is when you got to hope the most. I heard a, a preacher say one day that we get what we believe from three places. From the songs we sing, the scriptures we read, and the prayers we pray. For the Jewish people, the book of Psalms were all of those things. The Psalms, I tell people, was the oldest hymnal ever. The book of Psalms is the oldest hymnal. It's even older than the Cokesbury. I mean, it's the oldest hymnal ever. The Jews would sing the Psalms as they walked to the temple, as they walked up the hills. Psalm 121, I lifted my eyes to the hills, or whence does my help come? My help cometh in the name of the Lord. They would, they would sing that psalm or chant that song as they walked up the hill to Mount Zion to the temple. The Psalms were their hymnal. The Psalms were their prayer book. The Psalms were their faith. And by the way, this is what I love about the Psalms. They aren't always pretty. The Psalms are messy sometimes. The Psalms are full of righteous anger and sometimes unrighteous anger. The Psalms are full of hurt and doubt and fear and pleading with God. And that, like today's Psalm, Psalm 25, that's a great Psalm for waiting because the psalmist tells God to remember two things. First, do not remember the sins of my youth. Do not remember my sins. He tells God to forget something. Don't remember these things. And that's one of the great reminders in all the book of Psalms. All the things. So see, here's one of the things about waiting. is when we're waiting on something, we can tell ourselves, well, the reason why this is taking so long, the reason why this is happening, the reason why this is going on is because God's mad at me. Or I've done something to make God mad at me. Or this is punishment for my sins. And the Bible is clear over and over, over in God's word. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The book of Psalms itself says that when we could ask forgiveness, that our, God remembers our sins no more. And that they are as far as the east is from the west. So when we're waiting... When you're in a season of waiting, do not lose hope because you think God's out to get you. Do not lose hope because you think God's punishing you. Do not lose hope because you think God has forgotten you. Because the scripture says, first, do not remember these sins. God has forgiven you, y'all. 
through the blood of Jesus, through the work of the cross, through the efforts of Christ, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. You are forgiven. In your time of waiting, God's not out to get you. God's not punishing you. He placed upon Christ all of our iniquities and all of our sins. He's not out to get you. Remember that. God has forgotten your sins. What about you? What about you? One of my favorite verses in, is in verse John. It says, when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. One of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis is this. You need to remember this one of those quotes you need to remember. If God has forgiven us, and we have not, we cannot, if God can forgive us, but we cannot forgive ourselves, we have made ourselves a higher moral judge than God. So if God can forgive you, but you can't forgive yourself, you have made yourself a higher judge than God. You are forgiven. While you wait, don't forget that. So first, the psalmist says, don't remember my sins. But second, he says, be mindful of me. Remember me. Remember me. It's easy sometimes in the, in the season of waiting to think that God's forgotten us. When, my, when I was a kid, one of my fears was being left alone. I, I, we had the, uh, the big shopping center in Walmart. I mean, in, in, in Macomb, we had, I think it was an old A&P is where we went. We had old Jitney Jungle, one of those two places. And uh, I remember I was always afraid that my mom and dad were going to leave me. I was afraid. I don't know why, I just was afraid of it. I was afraid they were going to forget me. So I would never, so if I ever got separated from my mom in the grocery store, I'd go crazy. Because I was just afraid they were going to forget. And how could a parent forget their child? Seriously. How many of us are going to forget our children? We aren't. Well, if we who are human could never forget our children, how much more would a perfect heavenly father not forget his children? You know, it, it, it's funny how sometimes we, um, we see our children and, and we, we know they don't have the power of perspective sometimes. It's going to be okay. You ever wonder if God thinks about us like that sometimes? How we lose the power of perspective? And how we feel mired in this moment that will never end. But in the grand scheme of eternity, it's nothing. In the grand scheme of eternity, it moves on. In the grand scheme of eternity, it's, it's forever. It's gone forever soon. God has not forgotten you. I know you may feel like he has. I know you may think that he has. I know you, you may hear the voices in the back of your mind saying that he has. But just like during the 400-year time between Malachi and the birth of Christ, God had not forgotten his children. 
During this time, during this time of your waiting, during this time when you feel like you're in the desert, during this time when you feel like you're forgotten, during this time when you feel like that God is not listening, that God is not there, that God does not care, remember, God is mindful of his children. He will not forsake us, he will not forget us, and he will not leave us. Do not lose hope. Our hope is not in our strength. Our hope is not in our power. Our hope is not in our might. Our hope is not in our goodness. Our hope is not in our circumstance. Our hope is in the Lord. And has he been present in your life in the past? He has not changed. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Do not give up hope. The Lord forgets not his own. We are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. The children of his own. Don't lose hope. Even when you've got to wait, don't lose hope. Because the Lord does not forget. He does not forget us. For that, may we give thanks. Let us pray.